I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We are two landscape designers that have been in the industry well over 25 years, very well over 25 years. Yes, we um, actually consulted with the Egyptians on how to build uh, the pyramids and the gardens around it. (laughs) Well, through this podcast, with our lengthy experience, um, we're going to bring to you our knowledge and our challenges. And our foibles and stories, lots of good stories. Everyone loves the stories. Um, um, and anything that we can think of that that's going to make your family um, and um, you these wonderful outdoor environments, that's what we're here for, and especially with stories. That's right. And guess what time of year it is? It's fruit and roses for the nursery. They're Spring bringing- has almost sprung. Almost sprung. And so this is the time, and it's really important, if you have any um, any desire to, to find certain types of roses or to grow certain kinds of fruit trees, this is the time to go to the nursery because they're full of variety. And a lot of the roses that you're going to go to, you're going to find them either bare root um, or you're going to find them in peat pots. And she's right. In fact, I just happened Here's one of my stories. I had planted in the front of my house. I had these pockets on either side of the garage doors that I wanted to break up this massive amount of concrete. So I did planters and I originally used these Chinese fringe flower standards, meaning little patio trees. Um, And they were pretty when they bloomed, but they did terribly. They looked miserable. So I ripped them out and decided I wanted to replace them with roses. And so now was what kind of rose do I want to do? What color rose and everything? And I went to the local nursery. So, um, and, and for people and, and Roberta can chime in too. There are different kind. people say, well, what's the difference in roses? Like, um, you know, what's a Floribunda? What's a Grandiflora? What's a hybrid tea? The most common rose that everyone thinks about that they you get for Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or anything is a hybrid tea. It's a big, full-bodied rose um, that with a long stem, and you cut them. A lot of them are fragrant, and you give them as a gift, and that's a hybrid tea rose. And they don't bloom as many flowers on the on the plant, but they're a wonderful tree, um, and that the colors are just amazing. You want to take the next next type? So there are also climbing roses and there, um, there are ground cover roses. We use roses all the time. The thing with roses and with fruit is, um, first of all, having the right place for them. And with fruit trees, I have clients that want all kinds of fruit trees. And that's well and good, but you have to understand the amount of fruit they will produce over the years. And also... Um, they're various, um, what would I say? I don't want to say allergies, but things like peaches are um, prone to peach curl. So if you're, if you want to have a small orchard in your yard, it's worth finding or going online um, about how to care for a small orchard. Right. And I'm going to go backwards for a second because it started a train of thought. So again, you know, when we were talking about different roses, um, the hybrid tea, then there's the Floribunda, the Grandiflora. A Floribunda rose, just to let you know, is a rose that flowers. You get a lot more roses for your money 
and they're a lot smaller. They're not as showy, and but they bloom more often. So um, it's and you usually don't give as gifts the Floribunda rose or um, you. And then, as Roberta said earlier, there are ground cover roses and they're climbing roses. The one thing that's really interesting about fruit trees that I will tell you is, is that there are different sizes. There are regular fruit trees, which can get 20, 30 feet. Then there's semi-dwarf fruit trees, and they can get 8 to 10 feet. But then there are some, some of the stone fruit that have genetically dwarf fruit trees, and they'll max out at 4 to 5 feet. And so for those of you that have small gardens or have small patios and you don't have a lot of space, you can put a genetic dwarf in there, and maybe the most it'll produce will be 25, 30 peaches. Right. If you have a very small space, they have what's called espaliered fruit. And a lot of you are saying, what is that? It is a French word, and it means growing something flat on a trellis. Espalier, E-S-P-A-L-I-E-R, and again, it's French. And what that is, is you can take a wood trellis, you know, um, you can take, it's a lattice, or you can take a metal trellis, and you can actually train a fruit tree that is so it will grow horizontally instead of growing out, you know, so that if you've got a limited space and you've got all the branches kind of growing out towards you, these will actually grow horizontally or up and you can put it on a fence, you can put it on a wall, you can put it, um, as I said, you can put it on a wall of the house or a fence and that's one of the benefits of this foliar. And then you also can create privacy because as they get higher and higher, you cut off the the laterals that are going out towards you, but you just train them so that they keep going higher and higher. And you now have privacy as well as this espalier fruit tree that you can then pick the fruit off of. Right. And the nurseries, um, they sell them already espalier. So don't think that you have to do this yourself, but you could, all, you could buy it already trained. And then, of course, like Michael said, you have to manage it a little bit, you know, when those when those leaders come out um, forward, you cut them off. If you get a chance, go ahead and Google espalier fruit and you'll see some of the most magnificent espaliers because people do all kinds of amazing things. And they've been doing them, believe it or not, for hundreds of years in the Chateau. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just and one, one of the things that's really neat about them is, as I said, they they can be grown in a small, in a narrow space. Um, they need full sun. Um, like all fruit trees need full sun and some of the varieties like they espalier citrus, lemons and oranges and limes. And they're amazing. Um, and again, they're nice because um, it, they can, you can put them on a hot wall of the house. And so if you're in an area where you get a lot of uh, you get some cold or some frost, like we recently had temperatures drop to 24 degrees. But if you had an espalier citrus, a citrus growing on a wall, the wall would have already absorbed some heat. So it would act as a little bit of a buffer. So you wouldn't get a lot of burn on them. So right. they also have they, they have espalier pears and apples. Yes, actually what they have, um, and this is pretty common with pears and apples, they have what's called four-in-one and six-in-ones, in which they've grafted four different or six different varieties of apples and pears onto one espalier tree, and they're wonderful. 
I've I've seen that actually with cherries. In fact, in my old house, I planted one. It was there was a black tartarian, a Bing, and a, a Queen Anne. They were all varieties of cherries that they put on one rootstock and they espaliered them, and they were really really cool. I mean, it takes you you know when you buy them, they don't immediately produce fruit, and sometimes you have to wait two to three four years. But as it's developing, oh my God, what a, what a bounty you get, and you get all these different citrus or all you different apples or pears or as I said cherries all on one plant. Yep, they're amazing. And um, they also espalier camellias and all different plants as well. But we're talking about fruit. So along with um, fruit trees, there are all kinds of varieties of berries. And um, what's important if you're going to plant berries is having the right trellising. Yes, absolutely. And there's all there's all different ways you could do it. You could do it, you know, the easy way. You could put two posts in and run wire. You can um, staple wire across. You could buy already made trellises. I would recommend them to be metal. Um, but know that berries, blackberries, um, blackberries, raspberries, um, especially, they have thorns. If you're growing blueberries, those are shrubs. And check because some some of the varieties need a cultivar. They need a, a pollinator. With blueberries. So you, if you're going to plant a blueberry bush, plant two or more. And those are really cool. I mean, kiwis are another plant, but it needs, a, again, a pollinator, a male and a female. So you plant a male kiwi and a female kiwi. And those are really wonderful on trellises or an even over overhead structures. Um, which yep. is really, really kind of cool. You have a trellis that you, a shade structure, and on one post you plant a male kiwi, and on the other post you plant a female kiwi, and they grow together. And um, it's just really, really cool to have the fruit hang down, and um, they're very neat. Yeah, they're beautiful. Well, let's talk about the other part of that. So um, something else that grows really well on trellises are grapes. However, when you grow fruit on overhangs, um, pergolas, the critters in your yard also love to eat that fruit. So, Absolutely, yep. Yep, you're going to have uh, most likely squirrels or rats um, heading, for the, um, heading for the sweet fruit. So just know that there's maintenance involved. And that's why it's important to research before you buy certain types of fruit. How, how you're going to build a structure or where you're going to place the trees. How far apart is it going to be a large tree, a semi-dwarf, a dwarf? These are all things to consider, but you will have a bounty once they go in the ground properly. Absolutely. And there are some things if, you, if you've planted your grapes and last year you had a lot of problems with the critters, which it, it happens. Um, a lot of the growers, what they do is they use this silver mylar in long strips, almost looks like confetti, and you can hang it from your overhead. Now, yes, it's not going to look gorgeous, and it is going to look like something out of the Mardi Gras, but what happens is because it moves with the air and it also has this reflective quality, it scares a lot of the, the critters, and so they see that, and they see their reflection, and they stay away. It's not 100% um guaranteed but it will deter some of the the critters yeah i've heard it also confuses insects so um so yeah there are things there are all kinds of things that you can do now um planting fruit trees everything that you plant around it it should be 
that they are pollinators, bees and and wonderful critters that actually help pollinate the trees. So consider if you're if you're planting fruit trees that you're putting in lavender and rosemary and butterfly bushes, you know, things that really work in conjunction because you always want to have, you know, create an ecosystem that works in your yard. So it's, it doesn't necessarily just have to be fruit trees. It can be, in fact, that's one of the things that's also interesting. Um, if you go out to where they grow wine and you see long rows of um, wine grapes, um, you'll see at the end of the row, they plant a rose. Yep. Well, p- part of it is it's pretty. But the big reason is, is that they try to atta- attract some of the pests to the roses and stay off of the grapes. So it's a deterrent. It also is a pollinator, but it's a deterrent from some of the the pests that will attack the grapes. They go to the roses and they can control those before they go and start uh, destroying the the grapevines. Right. Well, again, if you go to the nursery, what they've brought in, in as far as varieties with fruit and with roses, this is the biggest time of year you're going to see that amount of variety at one time because what's going to happen is over the months they're going to sell you know it'll be sold off they'll bring in a little bit more here and there but if you really want certain varieties of roses and fruit now is the time here in northern california obviously in the east um they're not ready for that now is the time to go shopping and browsing but also do your homework on on what you're thinking of buying Absolutely. And and uh, what color do you want? For example, if you are buying your roses, what color do you want and what kind of scent? Because it's not just color and it's not just bloom. It also is scent. There are people that buy roses because they love the incredible scent. There are some people that buy roses for the color. There are some people that buy roses for the shape of the flower. Um, again, there's so many different things. You know, a rose isn't just a rose is a rose is a rose. Um, there's all these different things to consider. What do you want? Are you are, are you growing it for the color? Are you growing it for the bloom? Are you growing it for the scent? Are you growing it for all of the above? And, um, you know, what variety do you want them? Do you want them continuously blooming? Um, where, like some of the, the uh, carpet roses, those are the ground cover roses, and some of the iceberg roses, white and red, they bloom nine months out of the year in places like California. So they don't have the most showy rose, but what's great about them is for nine months straight, they just keep producing rose after rose after rose flowers, and they're pretty amazing. They're they're amazing. And with climbing roses, so years ago, I I fell in love with this climbing rose. It's called a Cecil Bruner um, or Cecil Bruner. And I have two of them. I have one over a big heavy trellis over my front door and also one over an arbor in the backyard thing is they only bloom once a year in spring and um one year many years ago sunset magazine was going to photograph or they did photograph my front yard however they wanted that rose in bloom and so every few days i'd go out and i'd have to communicate with them almost we're almost there we're almost there because when it does bloom there are hundreds of blooms and then it's done for the year. So right. if you're looking for a climber, you want to make sure there's also the Lady Banks rose, which is, again, once a year, thornless, but it can also cover two, three thousand square feet. It's a huge grower. And um, when it's done, it's 
just a green rose. So you have to look at that as well. You have to do your research because um, to have um, climbers bloom more than once, you've got to read the label, see if they'll do that. Right. But, so but like they, a white iceberg that blooms nine months out of the year, again, not as showy as a Cecil Bruner, but um, that will continue to bloom. A um, The Altissimo, which is a single petal red rose, um, that blooms nine months out of the year. So again, she's absolutely right. A lot of the David Austin, the old fashioned roses, those only bloom in the spring. They're a one-time bloomer. Yes, and they're beautiful. And you know, also at this time, we I, last weekend I talked about public gardens, but there are also people that open, um, I know there are people in Roseville that open their own rose gardens uh, for the public. There are people that collect them. And um, I went to one last year and it was absolutely stunning. I couldn't believe how they fit so many varieties in one yard. So in another, I don't know, what do you say, Michael, month, month and a half? Month, about a month, month and a half, absolutely. We're start seeing the blooms, yeah. So, um, and there's also the Rose Garden around our capital here in Sacramento. There's a beautiful Rose Garden. And I know many other cities also have public Rose Gardens. So it's a, you know, it's a time to wander through and really get to know the Rose. And also it is the time to look at fruit trees and get them into the ground before it gets too hot, which here in Sacramento, it's coming up. So, And don't be discouraged because the first year you put, if you buy a bare root, um, unless you're buying a much older, older specimen that comes in a big tub or something, you know, maybe a 15 or 24 inch box, it's going to take two to three years before you start seeing um some bounty. I mean, the first couple of years, you might get two or three. Like, for example, I put in a pomegranate. It was a bare root pomegranate. And last year, I got two pomegranates. This year, I'm hoping I'm going to get more. But the first year, I got nothing. And then, as I said, last year, my pomegranate, I had two pomegranates. This year, I'm hoping more. It's the same thing. Pluots, we had, we put in a bare root pluot tree. And last year, we got three pluots. And it's because the tree is is um, it's not old. It's it's in its immature uh, form. And so the bottom line is as it gets older and it begins to germinate and, and pollinate, you'll start getting more and more uh, fruit off of it. But you have to be patient. Everything is it's about right. patience. It's about patience. Well, gardening is about patience. And so. Um, Sometimes you'll find a five-gallon citrus that has um, the flowers and the fruit coming out, sometimes not. But everything to do with gardening really should be a slowed-down version of, okay, what is this? It's going in the ground. Once I put it in the ground, it's going to be there for many, many years. So it takes, you know, be patient and also be clear about what you want because it's going to become a family member, and it's going to become a family member with fruit that feeds the family, which is wonderful. I agree. Wonderful. I agree. Okay, well, this is our rant on um, fruit and roses. Of course, you know, we can go on and on and on, right? Yep. <laughs> but um, do head out to your local nursery and see what's there, and do consider um, buying fruit um, and, and roses. Pick up the varieties that you go to. If you go to the grocery store and there's a certain variety that you like, look and see if that's the one, and that's the one that's your favorite. Look at and see if that's the one you can grow. Yeah, and there are many, many varieties, many more varieties actually than what is available at the grocery stores. That's the other great thing. You could be growing something that is very difficult to find, and if you do find it, it's very expensive. 
However, you could have it growing in your yard. Absolutely. Okay, well, happy gardening. We had a tiny bit of rain last night, which was heaven sent. And uh, hopefully, now that we're in March, it has, I think it's come in like more like a lamb, not a lion, but we're hoping it'll come in more like a lion and go out like a lamb um, up here in Northern California. So thank you for joining us. Yes, this has been fun. I'm Michael Glassman. And I'm Roberta Walker. And, and we're Digging Deep. deep.